This episode's guest is world-renowned DJ Rich Medina. Rich graduated Cornell and took on a lucrative but soul-sucking corporate job in Philly in the mid-90s and found himself moonlighting as a DJ. Eventually, he decided to go all in on the DJ world. 25 years later, he's one of the most beloved DJs on the planet, playing everywhere from Miami to Melbourne to Tokyo to Amsterdam and London. We uh, recorded this one at Silk City, where Rich uh, spent a lot of his early years DJing. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. And uh, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as The Philly Blunt. Hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. This is Greg. And we are extremely excited to be back here with you and be back with uh, our guest for this week. We have a very well-known uh, and world-traveling DJ, uh, philosopher, uh, I believe... Uh, uh, professor, uh, all sorts of things on this guy's resume. We, we always like the people that have all the, the varied things on the resume. We have Rich Medina on the show this week. Rich, welcome. Thank you. What's man. up, Rich? Hey, Rich. What's up, Rich? Yeah, so you almost didn't make it, man. There was some, some, some towing issues going yeah, on? Yeah, a little situation in New York City. You know, me and the city had a little <laughs> dispute about where I left my uh, mode of transportation. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, uh, they won the argument. Took my shit. Yo, yeah. real talk for the situation that popped off, the way that it was like you you were able to get your whip, get in the car, and get here. It was like we we thank you so much. Yeah, man. I'm, you know, it, it, it's a tough game out here. You know what I'm saying? Like you just gotta get up, man. You know, you get knocked on your ass, get up and keep it pushing. Yeah, yeah I, I mean that's that's a that's a day killer for me. Yeah, I, I yeah. honestly, I'd have been like, I don't know. Can we do this tomorrow? I'm just gonna go home and sulk. Yeah, man. Just being on the road all the time, you just get used to, like, you know, Murphy's Law is going to pop up on you in a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. Especially when you're rolling. That's yeah. when it gets you, you know, and you're yeah. in the pocket and you're bubbling. Right. And, you know, you just blink right. two seconds too long. So that's all it fucking takes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, roll with it. Do you have that uh, experience of a lot of people that perform when they, they get into it and, and, and they start um, working and they feel it, all the stuff of the day kind of goes away? Or do you play angry sometimes like man i had a fucked up day i'm gonna take it out on y'all <laughs> yeah, I, I think i think it goes both ways you know that's that's the beauty of the mm-hmm. arts right mm-hmm. you know you can push both of those dispositions and at the end of the day you better for it and the, the people that are getting to participate in the situation hopefully you you're leaving them better than they were when they came in even mm-hmm. if they was good when they came in for leave sure. them a little better than when they came in that's the mo mm-hmm. so sometimes yeah i had a fucked up day and i'm gonna take it out on the toolbox mm. I'm not gonna cuss nobody out I'm not gonna right. be a dick to nobody I'm gonna beat these fucking tools up mm. Mm. yeah absolutely and other days like I had a fucked up day and you know what fuck it I wanna be in this mood mm. and forget it yeah and keep mm. it moving that's mm. what's up you, you said the toolbox and I've heard you in other interviews talk about the craft where does you know that's a very sort of blue collar uh, uh, vocabulary like where where does that come from when you're talking about the toolbox are you talking about the craft uh, it comes from a life of good coaching mm-hmm. playing ball mm-hmm. for men that know what they're talking about mm-hmm. when it's like okay you know God gave you some athleticism 
You know what I mean? You can do all these nice things with your body because of the gifts that God gave you. But the protocols of this system say you have to move with these steps. There's a kata to this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That little extra step you can do in a playground, that's a walk here. Mm. Right, right. In order to right. avoid yep. that, you got to pay attention to the two plus two of the situation. Because if, if you put the, the fundamentals with all of that toolbox that you got, right? if you wrap that up in the fundamentals and bust your ass, you know, that's where greatness comes from. You talk about all the tools in the toolbox and, and you use them clearly because you just don't DJ. How did you um, basically find a way to spread all your talents into the area that you can, you know, financially benefit from them and, and you know, go and get work in all these different fields? Um, fucking desire to do it and being focused on what I want to do rather than what I have to do. Mm. You know, like, <clears throat> for me, a Fortune 500 job was like handcuffs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Even with all the creature comforts and everything that comes with it, I just, you know, I'm, I'm in this space doing this work that it ain't moving me. Right, right. It's death to, death to the soul, even if it's shit. good for the pocketbook. Mm -hmm. Pocketbook bubbling. Right. You know, but inside, I'm like, you know, and I'm, you know, this is, I was in corporate America between 92 and 96. So, you know, the whole story of being a poster child for diversity for your district, you know, there's mm -hmm. three brown motherfuckers in a 15 person district. What was and the you're job? You're a fucking poster child for diversity. I worked for Procter and Gamble. Oh, wow. In uh, yeah. health and beauty care retail, okay. and I worked for Abbott Laboratories. Okay. Selling pharmaceuticals. Damn. Uh, I'm trying to pitch it the next man. four years. It's uh, <laughs> Angie Branca, who we had on the show, a Malaysian woman. Yeah. Exact same experience. She, she's now a, a chef yeah. uh, at a, a really well uh, renowned um, uh, restaurant on Passyunk. Mm -hmm. And she had the almost exact same experience. She was like, I, I felt like I was being held up as something. Like you, you, I was, you are being propped up in a, in a way. And, you know, that stuff can get under your skin if you let it because it's, it's based on a whole bunch of systematic perspectives and microaggression. So, you know, when you start eating that, that condescending microaggression all the time, depending on how your, your countenance, the type of person you are, you, you're going to ride with it and it's going to roll off your back and you're going to move up the chain and excel in this bureaucratic thing. Or you're going to be like, you know, fuck that, bro. Because if we weren't in a boardroom and you spoke to me like that, I'd slap the dog shit out you. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Not even being a tough guy, just you know yeah, what I'm saying? Being a like, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know right. a great deal of people that deal with a boss that they don't get along with all the time. Mm. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So that forced me mm. to entry into answering your question. Did it forced me to think about what do I want to be doing? Right. I don't want to be doing this. Yeah. And how did you yeah, come to there, that answer. Was there like a spark or a desire or a moment that you see someone DJing or performing and you were like, yeah, that's what I want to do? Yeah, I mean, coming to Philadelphia and meeting you and all the other people that I've met here over the years just totally inspired because Philadelphia, as we all know, is on some real blue collar shit. Yeah, right. Some you already brought up. So it's like, you know, time is wasting, man. You yeah. know, what, what are you doing? Right. What are you really doing and how do you feel about it? And I was asking myself that a lot, despite the, the check that was coming across the table. And mm -hmm. 
because of the club community and the arts community in Philadelphia, I had an opportunity to check on myself and see where my game fits in. So I was part of the, the spoken word community. I was part of the DJ community. I'm part of the b-boy community. I'm part of the, the, the graffiti community. Was that a moonlighting thing? Were you doing the 9 to 5 and then going out to the clubs at night? Figuratively speaking, it was. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, for the whole time that I had those jobs, I was cheating on those jobs the whole time. So you've, you finished Cornell, you play some semi-pro ball, mm-hmm. and that's when you were talking about earlier, your coaches said, now you got kind of got to figure things out. You're, you got hurt. And figuring things out, and I think kind of the irony here is that you end up in Philadelphia, which, again, we're going back to that you know toolbox and the craft and all that, is, is a city known for that. But you came here on a white-collar job yeah. because your coaches said, yeah. You're, you know, you got an Ivy League degree. Right. You know, that's Yeah. And, and, and then after a few years, you were like, nah. Fuck this. Right. 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 <laughs> and th- yeah. So it was, it was, it was kind of, you know, it, it was kind of interesting that your Philadelphia experience started white collar and then kind of, I mean, I don't know if I'd say DJing's blue collar, but it's like you're doing your own hustle and you're doing your own thing. You're an independent contractor. Yeah. You either work for an organization and they're buttressing your future or you got to kill me. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. we're in a meat-killing game. Right. Us independents. Right. That's how we know each other. It's the exactly. only reason we have a fucking relationship. For sure, for sure. You was hustling a product. I had a place I where it could be pushed. And I, I, only, I only eat what I kill. I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> I only eat right. what I kill out here, man. And that's know? not a luxury, you know. Yeah. That's that's the responsibility of an independent person. You got, some of us got kids. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, family you looking after. We grown now. We yeah. just happen to still be in a sandbox doing this dope shit. That <laughs> right, we do. right, right, you know, yeah. Our friends over there toiling with the 401k, you know. Yeah. Right, right. The homeboy yeah. he went to high school where he looked pregnant. He looked seven months pregnant. <laughs> anything fun in like six years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it didn't take fucking six years. You know, I think about right. that. I think about Nothing that. Nothing. Yeah. I think about wrong. that. A lot. Oh, those are the I people. suddenly feel better about my life. Yeah, Yo, because same, I just. Yeah. But you yeah. understand that those, we're all kind of those are the same. Those are the people that are just. They don't have anything better to do but fuck with other people and spread negative shit because they haven't done anything fun in six years. You and know a what I'm lot saying? of people are looking at, you know, when I to- when I get finished with all this toiling that I'm doing, everything is going to be better. Right. So, you know, the trip of it for yeah. them is not nowhere near as enjoyable and full as the experience of having to fucking figure it out. Right. You know, you know what you want to figure out. Mm-hmm. You figure it out. Right. You go through some shit. Mm-hmm. When you doing it, you have some fucking highlight reel dunks. Right. <laughs> right. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> right. You, you launch a couple Sunshine air balls, you have a couple rain, dunks, dog. but right. you're not sitting on the bench. Fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. Put so, the rock in the hole yeah, or yeah. sit the fuck yeah. down. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the rules. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. That's everything. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, because you are one of the first DJs that I know, maybe the first, um, to start playing Afrobeat, what is your feeling about the evolution of it as far as it becoming kind of a, I don't want to say commodified thing, but it's become very popular out of nowhere um, in the last year or two, I think, on a very world worldwide scale. And as someone that's been playing it for... 20 years, 30 years, I don't know how long, but as long as I've known you, do you feel positive about it or do you feel like it's some fake motherfuckers trying to cash in? Uh, I feel positive about it. I mean, what? it's fake motherfuckers trying to cash in at everything. Oh, everything, yeah. Suckers everywhere. For sure. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't concern ourselves with suckers. True. Anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. 
Um, but yeah, I feel really positive about it, and I feel really proud of being part of the front of the wave of uh, you know introducing people to Fela. Yeah. In through the '90s in Philly, and then starting Jumpin' Funk in New York in 2001. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been a long-running trail of us presenting that music. Yeah. With intent. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I feel really good about it. For sure. Um, I think that there's some blurred vocabulary when people talk about it that brings up certain. Not problematic, but it just mm. brings up issues to be considered. Right. Expand on that. What you mean? So break it down for me. My assumption in the way you asked me the question is you're talking about what would be called today Afrobeats. Right, it's obviously an S on the end. There you go, yeah. Right? Right. Okay. Which if you unpack what the root of Afrobeats mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. it's African pop. Okay. And house music, mm-hmm. where the melodic and the percussive direction depends on the geography. Okay. Which makes up the tribal makeup. Mm-hmm. So, Afrobeats is a, an industry box, just like all the other industry boxes that we know of. I don't say industry box being negative about of it. Course. It's just what it it's, is. It's it a is parameter what it is. Right. of consideration for how to market right. something. And there's a great deal of very talented African artists who are making music that is just westernized enough mm-hmm. to be seen over here and just local enough that the people around them buy into it because they hear all the melodic sensibilities of their tribal breakdown and all the percussive elements of their tribal breakdown and that's what represents the the reality of why it is Mm -hmm. all the way African. Mm -hmm. It's just all the way African inside of that construct that we're talking about so they're looking to propel it Mm -hmm. into the same space of power as the American pop Mm -hmm. machine. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, who's the African Rihanna? Who's mm. the African Mary J. Blige? Right. Are they, who's the African Beyonce? Are they entering the marketplace on that pop new trend sonic wave, which mm. in the moment happens to be this style that okay. we're talking about? But it's a variation for sure on the root of Afrobeat music. Right. It's modernized and, mm. you know, the cleaned pop, up for the, the pop, pop yeah. the pop form. Right. right. And, uh, you know, I, us underground guys I think make a mistake of talking about that in a condescending way okay and with a, a disrespect or a disregard for what that is mm. because you know we want full rooms too right. right right of course you know you want to get in bed with the devil to do it mm. figuratively speaking you right. know the labels right. and right. pop machine and yeah all the vocabulary that comes with that, you know, that's a decision. Right. But I don't, that, it is a decision. Don't you think, I feel like I made that one though. Like, mm-hmm. by the type of music that I made and the type of, the, the, I feel like there's a certain level of, there's a certain level of bullshit and ass kissing and game playing you have right. to do to be in those rooms. Yeah. And I personally could never do that. And I feel like you're kind of in that space too. Sure. We still move out here. We still do what we got to do. We still work. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a, you know, you know how it is, man. There's certain, you know, uh, I don't want to say gatekeepers because nobody can keep a gate for me. I'm saying there's like 
there's an energy that you need to do to be accepted into certain parts of the of that industry. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, don't, I I don't I can't do that. You know? Yeah, but he's saying like that's cool that you can't do it, but don't look at it in a condescending way. No, I, I'm well, not. I'm, we not, were talking not about the condescending dis- is the wrong word. I used the wrong word, okay. but like don't 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 look at the gatekeepers or the people on that on quote unquote that side of the game as adversarial. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. That's no. what I'm trying to okay. say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. That guy is not your enemy. And, you know, some of the rites of passage that it takes to get into the corporate corridor, they're, they're just what they are. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I went all the way up inside that ladder academically and with in terms of a nine to five job and re- reversed my way out of it mm-hmm. for the very same reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at my friends that's now. A district manager at mm-hmm. Pfizer making a fucking half million dollars a year. Right. I'm not mad at him. That was his decision. W- right. Were there lessons that you learned in that corporate world that when you did make that move served you at Absolutely. all? Was yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, always be closing. <laughs> <laughs> ABC. Yeah. ABC. Get the yes. <laughs> If you point it at whatever the fuck you think is important and you can you can monetize it and the person on the other side of the table says, Yeah, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Show up. Knock the work out the park and set up the next job. If we're gonna work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you you try to take the the positives out of uh, the, the mindset out of that that were uh, that were positive and apply them to the DJing while leaving all the bullshit behind. Well, I, the bullshit is behind once you're not in a bureaucratic space. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> once you're not in a dialogue where you're dealing with bureaucracy, there is no bullshit. Right. You know, politics is for politicians. I'm not interested in politics or bureaucracy. Were the first at the time that you made the move? Were you nervous? Yeah, of course. Right. Absolutely. It's a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Just went from making close to $100,000 a year after taxes to if you don't show up and get this $400 from this promoter, you can't pay your bills. Right. You know, ain't no dental, ain't no 401k. Sure. <laughs> you know, all that shit is curtain, son. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, nervous as hell. Mm-hmm. Shook, but not afraid of a fight just anxious about the fact that I know I have a fucking fight on my hands. Mm-hmm. You know? What was there a mindset of oh I'm going to get to I'm going to get to this point like like within uh, 5 years or is it all just like screw it I'm just going to take it as it comes. Take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. It was all freestyle. Mm-hmm. Once I once I got out in the deep water, once I was in the water and I realized like okay, I can hold my breath this long. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can take this much pressure cool now i understand my durability how much energy can i spend so did you have some amount of time did you have someone who like showed you the way yeah 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 man i mean a lot of guys you know i got i could tip my hat to a hundred men that have positively affected the way i've approached my life as a grown man you know even now like my, my high school basketball coach, John Richardson, Jan Van Bredekoff, mm-hmm. Sergio, dude who gave me my first pair of turntables. Mm-hmm. I was fucking 11. Mm-hmm. You know, 
any and everybody I ever played ball with. Yeah. Who who was Sergio? How, how how did he know you when you were eleven? Sergio is his name is Vernon Wardrick, and the Wardrick family knew my family because they were part of a group of black families that were very well respected in the Black Baptist Church and the Church of God in Christ and the Pentecostal Church in New Jersey from 1920 on. Uh, black folks that took the Underground Railroad and Pullman Porter trains north together. So how we knew each other was his grandfather was a deacon in a church that was a sister church to one of my grandfather's churches. And he lived in Newark. We were in Howell and Lakewood. And he would come down in the summer. And, you know, this is, I'm 11. So this is 1979, 80, 81. And, you know, Sergio's got on white pro keds with crispy red flat fat laces. But, like, immaculate, you know, like as if his family had money <laughs> but it was a, it's a style thing it's b-boy shit yeah you know so Serge come with the ill brown pro heads with red fat laces jeans like perfect crease. creases you know <laughs> like it's put together <laughs> but you know on a budget as everything <laughs> is but b-boy shit so Serge was my introduction to you know what it means to have gusto, what it means to be a part of the culture, you know? You had turntables in the crib, you had mad Krylon, hands always painted up, black books everywhere, you know? Like a windmill before anybody around the way could windmill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that right. guy. Yeah. Right, right, right. He's yeah. that the, fucking The tastemaker for the whole... Around my way. Yeah. Yeah. So he surged gave me my first pair of turntables and it was a pair of Techniques SLD 202s I still <laughs> I still got them oh wow still have them that's yeah, what's man. up but that shit pancaked everything for me mm. you know that, that took away from the competitive speed skating took away from the competitive speed skating for sure yeah yeah, yeah. that had a really bad groin injury <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I read you were, you, you were you're on competitive. your Nardwar shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's his, that's his, that's his, that's his thing, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's, He's a trivia guy, out. trivia yeah. guy. Yeah, well yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking beautiful. Amazing. He's feeling great right now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. He was waiting to sneak that in. I was waiting for the anecdote. Yeah. Yeah. He was I was waiting, waiting for the anecdote, and he started talking about being 11. I was like, oh, it's coming. Well fucking done. So you guys knew this was coming. No, no, I had no idea. No, no, no he does. This is I what mean, he does, man. Yeah. He just pulls random faces. He hosts I host quizos, quizos all so around the city. I'm all about trivia. I'm all about, yeah. I'm all about random facts. Yeah, man. From like '79 to like you've done everything, man. Competitive speed skating. Yeah, you've done everything. Like literally everything. In you've got the long strides. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've done everything, man. I, I wanted to ask you a question because I noticed that you travel a lot, of course, but you don't do the um, you you rode dolo, yeah. Um, 
has there ever been a time where you felt the need to to have people with you or is it more freeing to just kind of come and go as you please dolo because i know you have fam everywhere you land of course I mean, as traveling artist protocol, it's always best to have a set of fresh eyes with you and somebody mm-hmm. to manage the details and, mm-hmm. you know, road management. For us. sure, for sure. I would adore road management, mm-hmm. but the type of road management that I would want yeah. is above my tax bracket. For sure, for sure. So, again, it's back to the same shit. Am I mad at people that got road managers? Nah. My manager is pretty good. I see good road managers. I see shitty road managers. Yeah. Peep game. See things that they do that I don't know nothing about. I don't know that. Yeah, of course there's stuff there, but <laughs> how did it get there? Who's responsible? Who's the point person? Da 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 da. Right. All that shit that goes into that. Mm-hmm. You know. Just have trying to have as much of the admin of it mm-hmm. set up. Have the admin baked in to the contract so mm. that kind of so there's a lot more to it than just showing up and playing some records Absolutely. there's a whole oh, there's lot, a whole lot, lot back, more to it that's what I'm saying is that yeah. like I just feel like it's so dope to me that I see you doing almost handling almost all this shit like Dola without without the whole like so many people need to roll with a whole bunch of people and you just be out there on some James Bond shit like just gunning it down <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, like man. every time I see you at the airport bro like yeah. that's a big deal and like yeah. it's 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 one thing to be talented. It's one thing to be dope at what you do. It's a whole other thing to handle your business. Right. Well, we yeah. were joking you know what I'm saying? When we were outside. It's a whole other we thing to handle your business. When you, when you came outside, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, re- I remember the fucking begging days. Mm. Yeah. Not begging, begging, but right. I mean, like, you know, walking up to venues, walking up to people who I was told was important in this community and handing them cassettes and compact discs and mm. mini discs. And asking them to listen to that. Mm. What happened in here tonight? I know that I, I know that if you give me an opportunity to play music in here, mm. I'll make this room feel the way you designed it. Mm. I'll make this room sound the way you, the way you made it look mm. for free. And if you like it, then let's talk about a relationship. Mm. Is that? experience is that also just a natural gift that you had that maybe you wouldn't have known you had if your surge hadn't given you that first turntable i mean I, or if i didn't learn how to close yeah. it all yeah. fucking it all, it all it's matters. A fucking stew it all matters yeah. i can't sit down on one thing i can't do that mm. it's just a culmination of being held accountable all the fucking time by my family mm-hmm. extremely religious family on both sides mm-hmm. you know First generation out of the civil rights era. Right. I was born in 1969, Point Pleasant Hospital. Five black men were hung in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, the year I was born. Mm. Jesus. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Mm. What, Eric Garner, whatever. Jesus. I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. So you, how did you get this perspective? You know, I come from motherfuckers that pick cotton. I come from motherfuckers who call boy and can't look a white man in the eye. Mm. All that. The generation above me and my family, that's their reality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what a fucking opportunity I have in mm-hmm. front of me right. to set a fucking precedent for all this shit that they went through. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, yeah. fuck the toolbox and fuck everything. Fuck everybody. You know? Mm-hmm. My mom's went through some shit. Mm-hmm. You know? 
my mom's moms, my pop's moms, all of them mm-hmm. went through some shit. I'm mixed up with slave blood and native blood. So I'm a real American. I got a lot of shit with me. Mm-hmm. And praise God, I got a vessel to push all that shit through now. Yeah. You know? You said both sides of your family are, are super religious. Where, where do you fall in line with that stuff? I believe in a higher power. I would probably have to call myself more spiritual than religious mm-hmm. today. But, you know, everybody got a, everybody got a lane, man. There's room mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the point where cult behavior and, you know, archaic perspectives that leave loopholes for very, very uh, poor moral behavior by powerful men mm-hmm. doesn't interest me. Bad mojo. Yeah. That's the, the height of blasphemy. Yeah. You said earlier you don't want to talk politics, and I don't want to get into politics, but there is the reality that, you know, you're a guy that travels the world, and mm-hmm. you travel the world as an American. Mm-hmm. Have, have you felt any sort of difference in the last three to four years traveling the world as an American? Mm, not really. Okay. Because, you know, driving wild black is worldwide. First of all, so you know the black experience in the world is what it is. Whether you're up the ladder and protected by a, a white or financial buffer, or whether you're out here in the bush doing your everyday thing, mm-hmm. you know the punishment is five times harsher for us, no matter what the punishment is. So dealing with the microaggressions of that—that's whatever. I know when I'm in Europe. My spatial reference has to be different. I'm going to get bumped more. People are more physical. Cool. Accept it. This is a wrestling gym. I'm going to have to wrestle here. Great. Be out of here in three hours. I hate wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It starts to become that. So I, I haven't felt a difference in that sense, but I have felt a difference in the way people talk about American politics and the fact that they conflate Barack Obama's ethnic makeup with, uh, with the behavior of a gentleman. Uh, <laughs> it's like people talk to me about Barack Obama as if he's an exception to the nigger rule. Hmm. And now they got a nigger in the office. and they gotta talk to me again so it's a very healthy space Mm. because it brings all of it out yeah Mm -hmm. are you happy to see it out because i like it better that way well you know institutional racism and classism you know the classism of it is beginning to show white folks of humble beginnings are beginning to understand that the 1% thinks that they're just as much a nigger as they think you and me is niggers. Mm-hmm. So you think? I do. I hope so. I do. I, I, I have to hope so. You know, I, I do. I think, I mean, I, I see it in my classes, you know, when I'm teaching. I'm teaching more often than not white kids. And one of the things I always go back to when I'm talking to them is like, you know, 
I don't envy the fact that after you leave me and the people that you like to hang out with and all those good vibrations, when you go to the crib, you got to deal with an elder who's on some MAGA shit. Whatever your whatever your people's version of MAGA shit is, right. that's why you gravitate to us the way you do. Mm-hmm. Our shit bounce different. We talk to you more openly. We let you come in space. You got a voice in here. You're the only white girl in here, but when you're in here with all us brown folks, you feel real fucking empowered, don't you? And then when you go home, all that MAGA shit is sitting on your head. Then you 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 doing rebellious shit to rebel against it and this art and this style stuff that you come into is part of it because mm-hmm. all of that shit is jet black so let's talk about it and to see a 19 20 year old kid whether in the states or in the netherlands or in europe wherever be like you know that shit makes sense what you said to me mm-hmm. what's been the most rewarding thing about the teaching experience for you seeing kids start to figure their shit out Mm. even if their shit isn't your shit Mm. you Mm -hmm. can just paint a picture for them and make them see something different Mm. you know just just feel like you're being effective in some way you could just say one thing to a kid and light them up and send them on a better path I mean I've only had one full semester as a professor I've been teaching for 11 years mm-hmm. I had one full semester at Lincoln and there's a few kids in my class so I was like yo you know you you can't approach this like you're gonna skate through it right you know you're gonna get out of here with a D hmm. right what's the point and you want you studying what communications so you're just gonna do like the cliff notes bare minimum Wikipedia take home homework level of it you you don't give a fuck you just here because right. you what you don't want to be in the street yeah uh, you're in here you're here because you're trying to get away from the streets you don't really care about this shit and take that kid and have him be like <laughs> wait a minute just got what did, say yeah. that again yeah. <laughs> say can you say that slower <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's busting seams that's that's shedding skin that's opening doors for kids yeah are you going to continue to do it, um, or is it something that you just kind of off and on with it? Or you you you're going to be tenured for a while? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do it for forever. You right. know, right. I think got a lot to share with people. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know it'd be nice to have a relationship with an institution that mm-hmm. wanted to build on something. Do you have to go to these schools to take one of your classes or to come and observe? Because I want to see one one day. Maybe. So far, you yeah. have to come. I mean, I'm doing my next teaching in Philadelphia is at the Barnes okay. uh, in March for the uh, the 30 Americans exhibit. I'm doing a one-day seminar. Okay. What will that be on? That's Albert Barnes and his relationship with the civil rights movement and the Harlem Renaissance and uh, African art. I've been teaching that at the Barnes for the last three years mm-hmm. for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, per the, per semester but we're doing it like a one day seminar like an eight hour seminar all day uh, in March I'll tell you more about that but yeah I want to do it forever man you know right. it's nothing like giving so much information out here that people just don't go after or they wouldn't think to go after mm-hmm. and when you can give it to them and they can use it right. to make their situation a little more clear cool you know so we've talked to Chip and Reef 
about different cities, different vibes. As a DJ, are there certain cities that are similar that you can play the same set to and have a great time, but it wouldn't work in, say, Orlando or Atlanta? Um, interesting question. I, yeah, I think that each city has a complexion and a disposition and an affinity to certain things. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if I really subscribe to the vocabulary of I can't get away with this in this city. Like for me, that that's that that's that athlete challenge shit. Like that's mm-hmm. challenging to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you can't. So the thing that you played at peak time in Philly, you telling me you can't play that in Miami? <laughs> yeah. Says who? <laughs> okay. Says who? Yeah. Word. Okay. I'm not gonna play that peak time. I'm gonna play it ten minutes into peak time, just to see. It's just a song. Right. What four and a half minutes? If they don't like it, they're gonna slow down or go to the bar or go to the bathroom. They're gonna love something I play in the next ten minutes. Right. Let me stick that jab out there. See right. If I can get this guy, if I can make him bite on the jab, if he bites, yeah. I'm gonna pop him real clean in the nose, and it's gonna be over quick. Do you have like a go-to like? Like you, you start to feel the energy lagging a little bit at some point. You're like, okay, I need to put, I need to put this one, I need to put this one on to get everybody it's like back. In up. case of emergency, the universal dance it's track. Back, it's back to the same question. It's back to the same question. I think yeah. it's it's the ability to think on your feet. I think it's the freestyle of it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we keep making these athletic analogies. If it was a fight and you got popped with a clean one and you got a little goofy, what do you do to get your base back under you? That's what you want to do. Between rounds, you got some old dude going, what are you doing? Put your hands up. What are you doing? Right, but it's, it's two minutes right. before you even get right. to him. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You right. just got caught with a bang. You know, you see oh one bird, and you're like, shit. Yeah, but you're a guy that's got 40,000 records. I mean, how can you be like, okay, here's exactly the one that's going to set off this crowd? I think people always go for honest songwriting. I, I think that if I was going to answer you as honestly as I can, I think there's a, there's a thing about songwriting and melody and harmony that sets everybody on the same page. Okay. So, you know. Who are some songwriters you really love? I mean, good God, where do well, you start sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I said get 40,000 records. We're going to be Trying here. to get you to na- narrow it down to three. 2023. <laughs> have, you, have you seen, I mean, because we're all similar age, we're all old heads, so do you think the music is less honest now? Well, I think the, the music is more frank. Hmm. You know, in the from the seventies into the two thousands, it was hey, listen, if you give me a chance, I'll take you to dinner. I'll talk to you nice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. I'll hold the door for you. Now it's like stick your pussy out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and that goes across the spectrum, even with with the EDM commercial stuff sometimes. Isn't it ironic, though, that we're living in this age where everybody's real concerned with political correctness, and yet the music seems to be uh, maybe more aggressive than it was 30, 40 years ago? Well, you know, pop music has now invaded everybody's space because everybody functions through the internet. (laughs) So, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are conflated together on top of all of that. Yeah. You know, and it's a way of life for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people who have nothing to do with the music industry, following that model of how things go and what's what's important and what's popular and what's trending and what's moving the needle in terms of, you know, 
How, how are the crowds different now? There's been a whole generation that's come up since you started DJing. How are the crowds different when you play a show now than they were? Or is that too general of a question? No, there's, there's one enormous gaping difference. And it's that because of the way social media works and because of the way people tie themselves to it, you see rooms full of people who are recording what's happening in order to show people who aren't there right. that they, that they are, there. are there. Right, right. Yeah, it's so yeah. bizarre, man. It's yeah. so crazy. When you think That's about it. that, we came up in an era where you did things because you wanted to do them. Right. You didn't do things because you had to show everybody that you did it. You're like, oh, this is a cool thing. I want to do it. Right. Now it's like, oh, wait till everybody else finds out where I was. They're right. going to be mad. Well, yeah. no, we, well, actually, Damn, we I just Instagrammed a picture of this whole scene right here. <laughs> We don't have to wait because, you, you know, to your point, you can, you can stick it out there yeah. immediately and you become this purveyor of taste for other voyeurs and they become purveyors of taste for other voyeurs and us makers are out here making shit, trying to figure out how to straddle the fence <laughs> right. between that shit and making shit. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're at a weird a weird time. I mean, you guys, uh, all three of you are, are in music. We, we, we're, this is such a radically different industry than it was when any of you guys started. Yeah, but and two plus two is still four, fam. And if we maintain that vocabulary with enough of the makers out here, the, you know, industries and models come and go. If you're vested in it, find your little shit in it and do your shit. Mm. Or... Go work somewhere else, man. Right. Don't nobody want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Anymore. Right. Right. Fuck out of here, bro. And it's different than back in the day because you get immediate feedback on what you're doing. Right. Back in the day, it wasn't like you throw a song out on SoundCloud or YouTube. People would do the thumbs down immediately if right. they want to. Yep. It's yep. changed, so. You had to hope <laughs> they made it to the station mm-hmm. in time yep. for the show. Hope they got the handshake and the talk. Hope the payola was enough. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many levels, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Both when, when from you better got the and fucking, When you got the Big Daddy Kane tape, you had to take the bus to the record store. <laughs> it was the whole yeah. process. Hope right. they got it in stock. Yeah. Oh, they got it. Let yeah. me get that. Oh, wow. shit, I got $6 I still left. remember the morning the... Uh, I get a Big Mac <laughs> and get on the bus. I'm rocking. I still remember when the Wu-Tang, uh, Wu-Tang Forever dropped. I cut school that day with my cousin. We rode around smoking fucking dirt weed, yeah. playing that thing. And it was like the best day ever. That, hey. that shit was an experience. And what's it like now? <laughs> they just open up their phone, sit in a room alone, yeah. and download the well, song. I, I feel like right. they, could, they, could, they could still be in the car. Uh, I don't they're think. getting high. The weed's probably mad butter. All right, yeah, let's take it to the blunt. Yeah. All right, so this is the rapid, rapid fire. One, one quick question, one quick answer. Right. Ready. All right, favorite style of food? Soul food. Do you enjoy doing weddings? Yes. Auto. Professional. <laughs> professional over there. Yo, all the DJ homies. And he's available 364 <laughs> days a year. <laughs> well done. Auto tune, yes or no? Oh, shit. No. Any superpower, what would it be? Levitate. 
Big men. Back to the basket, top of the key. <laughs> Back to the basket. Oh, man. Showing their age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old I, had, I had to do it because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. he's saying it and we're all nodding. Yeah. It's a bunch of old schoolers yeah. in here. <laughs> uh, give me something beautiful about Philadelphia. The fact that the park is five minutes away from wherever you are. What's your at-bat music? Felicuti zombie. Advice for a father. Presence over presence. Mm. Ah, yeah. I like, I like that. that. Wait, wait, is it? Presence TS over presence. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's cynic. Rex is cynic. I mean, the, the holidays are coming. The holidays are coming. Don't troll. I mean, I'm us, in the presence kind of mood. We can put it on the bell curve for some of us. Uh, how about something that scares you? Snakes. Uh, worst job you ever had? <laughs> Packing pallets of taxidermy baby sharks that were in like embalming fluid (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) yeah we had to fucking pack these dead baby sharks in like a taxidermy bottle to sell at this fucking bullshit beach store (laughs) wait I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole thing okay all right you were you were shipping. You were packing up uh, dead sharks. All right, <laughs> yeah. I, we have not heard that one before. Yeah, I will say bad. that it's shitty. Is it me? Yeah, yeah. you're. Uh, your favorite basketball player. No one ever talks about. Alex English. Ah, oh, nice. jersey. Ooh. Those jerseys. Ooh, those old Nuggets jerseys. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, what advice do you think eighty-year-old you would give current you? Quit smoking. <laughs> Uh, so tobacco or other tobacco? Okay. Three underrated albums we should all be listening to. <laughs> three, three. Wow. Jesus, this, this is the blunt. Come on, oh, one, dude. But one. we got to say we gotta, one. We got a chance. No, no, chill. We got a we, we got a guy who's got forty thousand fucking records in his collection. I'm not asking him one. Come on. Three underrated albums. Oh we should my listen God. To. We this is going to be a two-parter now. We were rolling. It's the blunt. D'Angelo Voodoo. Um, yeah. Tribe Called Quest, People's Instinctive Travels and Passive Rhythm. As hyped as it is, I don't think still underrated. Okay, 100%. And uh, Ultra Magnetic MCs, Critical Beatdown. Nice. I'm a little disappointed he didn't say trickster. <laughs> mm, I was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're pretty. They're from Tom's River. That's pretty close to Lakewood. I mean, come on. Right around the way. Yeah. Big hair and all that. Uh, favorite sneaker ever oh, made. Oh, man. Right, man. Air Force One. Right. Uh, I saw that you followed Donnie Wahlberg on Twitter. This is weird. Why do you always do this? So I would like to know if he's a better musician or actor. Dog, oh, man, oh man! How do you see who people you, follow? Yeah. I gotta yeah. take you. I mean, he's Twitter. like two thousand followers. I, I had to scroll I through. Some actor, weird people. Actor. He's a better actor. Blue Bloods. Is that what he's on? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is you're a guy that travels all over the world, done all these crazy things. What's still on your bucket list? Uh, 
Zip lining in Bali. Mm. Mm. All right, it's the last one for me. Uh, it's your last game, metaphorically. Mm. Last game. Mm. You, you said, I'm done after tonight. Mm. You just did your Kobe Jones put up. Mm. What did he do, 60s last night? Mm. Your, your final song that you're going to play and never DJ again. Oh, I like this one. I know that's a ridiculous to think that you'll never DJ ever until you mm. die, but the last joint. Yeah, no, that's Like, a great this question. is it. Sil Johnson, is it because I'm black? Ooh. I, uh, we should just end it there. So. <laughs> yeah, you can't come back from that, man. Nah, man, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Yo, thank you I'm so much. I'm handing you the towels. <laughs> 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 Appreciate you, Rich. Thank you, man. Yeah, Rich, thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rich. Came from New York, car towed yep. and all for us. Yes, we sir, thank man. you so much. Was and, um, this is fun, man. What thank did, you guys. We just have to ask, what do you think about, uh, what are your feelings about Silk City? Oh man, oh, you know yeah. this is the first place I ever played records for a twenty-one and over crowd. Mm. So no kidding, I'm so in love with this building for so many reasons, man. Big up King Brit, Dazia, God, man, so many people down back to basics and the booty parties, mm-hmm. and man, yep. first time I seen Cosmo Baker and Quest Love DJ was in this room. Ah man, they were kids; they weren't even allowed to get in. It's illegal. <laughs> That's crazy. That's what's up, man. Shout out to Silk City for hosting yeah, us tonight. Yeah. And you're going to be on? You're going to be here next week. I'll be on the 29th, Black okay. Friday. Put nice. a fucking pedal to the metal. Let's go. So where do, where do people keep track of what you're doing? Uh, I'm most aggressive on Instagram, I guess. Uh, it's just, just my name, at Rich Medina. Cool. Thanks so much, Rich. We appreciate you coming yeah. on, man. Thank really you guys This is great. Me, Thank yep. you so much. Man. All right, man. Peace. Later. Just the sound of Philadelphia. Covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.